Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. You almost feel sorry for him. Almost. Ecclesiastes chapter 7. Hallelujah. Something's moving tonight. It's moving. Ecclesiastes chapter 7 and verse 10. Someone has a word in tongues and someone has the interpretation. Just give it out. Give it out. Now, I have the interpretation, but if someone else has it, give it out right now. Step out in faith and give it out. Just start with the word you're seeing right there on the tip of your tongue. Just start it out. Just start out and say it. Hallelujah. 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 Now, Brother Dan stepped out and heard from the Lord. There's a little more to that. And the frustration of the season that you have been in will surely end. And the frustration of the times will surely come to an end. And you shall see, even as I've said in my word, that all that I've promised you will surely come to pass. And in the joy... There's great victory. And in the joy, there's great rejoicing. And in the joy, there's great overcoming. So at every point, at every moment, at every time, when you think about anything that the enemy tries to bring into your mind, begin to rejoice, begin to shout, begin to praise God, because the frustration shall surely end, and the rejoicing and the joy do begin. Hallelujah. Oh, I believe God. I believe God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Glory to God.
Look at Ecclesiastes 7. We'll try to, we'll try to, or yeah, we'll try to minister this. But something's moving. Something's shifting. Hallelujah. Something is shifting. Mm. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. In everything, in everything, the, 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 the enemy will always overplay his hand. In everything, in everything that God wants to do, that God desires to do, he will search out and seek out a people who are steadfast. He will search out and seek out a people that are stalwart, that are strong, that are determined, that will stand fast. And say, I'm holding on to what God wants me to do. And when God finds that group of people, He'll begin to visit that group of people. And He'll begin to pour out His power on that group of people. And that group of people will move from one stage of glory to the next stage of glory. And where I have this body and where I have this fellowship and where I have these churches, says the Lord, is in a place where you're entering into uncharted territory. Oh, you've seen great things. You've manifest great things. You've operated in great things. You've seen tremendous blessings. You have done great with what you have had. You have done great things with what has been presented to you. But I'm about to present you with more and it's going to be more than you've ever seen, more than you've ever experienced, more than you've ever handled and I will teach you how to handle the more. Mm, glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that's why you can't, and that's why you can't be looking back. Well, the glory's here. That's why you can't be looking back. You can't be looking at what was. Notice Ecclesiastes 7 and 10. It says, Do not say what is the cause that the former days were better than these. For you do not inquire wisely concerning this. One translation says, never ask, oh, why were things so much better in the old days? It's not an intelligent question. Why were things so much better in the old days? They weren't. Chris, Scripture says that's not an intelligent question. You can look so much at what was that you miss what's going on. Amen. The enemy, I taught on this Wednesday night, the enemy is a master of distraction. He's always wanting to get people distracted. It doesn't matter what the distraction is. There are such great things going on in the world right now. I want you to understand something. With all that's going on in the world, do you know what I saw coming to church today? I still saw people loading their boats and going to the lake. I still saw the soccer complex full. I still saw people lollygagging around. Churches are open and people are still lazing around on Sunday morning because they've got something to do that's more important than what God has going on. And the Lord said the exact same thing to me that He said to me years ago. He said, Philip, there are multiplied hundreds of thousands of people that got up this morning and gave no thought to what I want for their life. 
They're living their life like eternity is not real. What I'm saying is the enemy still has people distracted. In the middle of, of, of the Lord said tonight, a pandemic, there are still people that are more worried about fishing than coming to church. There's still people that are more worried about making sure we get in our soccer game than coming to church. And, it, and it's not a knock against anybody. They're distracted. There are multitudes. Scripture says this, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Amen. We have the answer. We have the answer. But the enemy gets people distracted. He'll try to use things that you go through as a distraction. And Scripture says, notice over here, let, 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 let me go over here. I'm going to change my mind, Dave. We don't need to change the title, but I want you to see something. This might be a second addition to rebuilding the wall. 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 1. Notice what it says. The Spirit speaks, who speaks? The Spirit speaks expressly that in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. Why? Giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils. Is that what it says? That word giving heed, it means to turn, give your attention to, to turn your mind towards, or to hold your mind towards. We've been teaching on that on Wednesday nights. So the enemy wants people's attention. Right? Why? Because God wants to rebuild the walls of people's lives. And the enemy wants people's attention. And so he's always coming after your attention. He's always trying to hold your attention. There are things you shouldn't be giving your attention to. There are things that should not hold your attention. And Paul says that some of these people will give their attention and give heed to what's being said by the enemy to the point that they will leave the Christian faith. They'll deny Jesus and walk away. Because why? He got their attention. Amen. The Lord said to me on April 3rd of this year, the next six months are crucial. Because He said it will be a time of rebuilding, reconfiguring, and revitalization. And for the church, it will be a time of refiring. Now notice, when He said that to me, He was speaking to me about May through November. Six months. Right? Now, I haven't taught a lot about this because the Lord dealt with me about not saying anything before the time. This is the time. But here's the point. For the church, it will be a time of refiring. And he said, not because it's cold or weak. The church will be refired because of the spiritual excitement and energy that will exist as souls are saved, bodies are healed, and many are filled with the Holy Ghost. These six months will fill and increase some churches. While others seem to die on the vine. The reason for this is it is a proving time. Are they willing to move forward with what I want to do? Or will they settle back into how things have always been and miss this great opportunity they've been presented with? Those that move forward will become greater and have a greater voice and a greater influence. Those who do not will fade until they are ineffective and largely forgotten. 
Know and understand this season you're entering into is a time that's precious to me because of the hungry, needy, spiritually ignorant men and women who will be searching for answers. I'm entrusting them to the care of my church. Do your part. Do all in your power to be certain that you're ready to meet their needs. Amen. Many in the world right now feel as though their lives have fallen apart. There might even be some believers that feel that way. God's intention is for His church in this hour to help them rebuild their lives. We are faith builders. We build faith and frame worlds by the Word of God. Amen? Notice in Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 1. Is this all right? Nehemiah chapter 1. I'm going to move quickly. I don't intend to keep you late. But we have something to say. Nehemiah 1, verse 1. The words of Nehemiah, the son of Hakaliah, and it came to pass in the month of Chislu, in the 20th years I was in Sushan, the palace, that Hananiah, one of my brethren, came, and certain men of Judah, and, asked them, and I asked them concerning the Jews that had escaped, which were left of the captivity concerning Jerusalem. And he said unto me, Notice, the remnant that are left of the captivity there in the province are in great affliction and reproach. Why? The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and the gates are burned with fire. And it came to pass, when I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. The wall, notice he says, is broken and the gates are burned. Broken means a breach. There's a breach place. When he talks about burned gates, burn carries the idea of desolate. Desolation. So the gates and the walls represent security. There's no security in Jerusalem anymore. When you look around the world, what's been lost in people's lives is their security. The things they put their trust in has been proven to not be trustworthy. And when that occurs, now there's a breach and there's a burned gate. There's a desolation. Amen? Look at verse 4. It came to pass, I heard these words, I sat down and wept and mourned certain days and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. So when he heard this, he wept, he mourned, he fasted, and prayed. The first thing he did was pray. Not the only thing, but the first thing. Amen. Hallelujah. As we pray, God will give us favor with people. And influence so that they will listen to us so we can help them rebuild their lives. Favor is not just for things. Favor is favor with people so they'll pay attention to you. God has delivered these cities into our hands for the preaching of the gospel. I've had people ask me before. They say, you know, new churches are starting. What are you going to do? Here's what I'm going to do. You want to know what I'm going to do? I'm going to keep preaching the Word, and I'm going to keep manifesting the gifts of the Spirit. That's what we're going to do. That's what we do. Amen. Notice chapter 2 and verse 10. 
Oh, glory. Tell your neighbor, we're going to help people rebuild their lives. How, how many know some people, family members maybe, or friends, or people that need help rebuilding their lives? Hands up all over the place. Why? Because maybe what they trusted in, or maybe what they put their faith in, has, has been shattered. It's been proven that it's not trustworthy. And God has placed the local church in the cities He's placed us in to be a place where people come and rebuild their lives. Amen. It is the most important place on the face of the planet. Nehemiah chapter 2 and verse 10. When Sanballat the Horonite and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it. Now what did they hear of? Notice. It grieved them exceedingly. Oh my Lord. That there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. (laughs) We... Faith builders seek the welfare of our city. We want what's best for our city. People have to know that we care and we have the answer. Hallelujah. Nehemiah noticed he was seeking the welfare of the people. He wasn't there just to do something. It was the people. Notice in chapter 1, he asked, it says, concerning the Jews, not the city, not the temple, the people. The people. The people. Don't ever get so consumed with what you're dealing with that you forget the people. They just need to, no, don't forget the people. A man came to Pastor Caldwell one time, and he said, I'm going to build the largest church in Little Rock. And Pastor Caldwell said, okay, that's fine. And the man took off and started building the church. Then he came to him a few months later and said, well, I'm leaving that church, and I'm going to go over here and start another church. And Pastor said, you can't. And he said, why? He said, the people. The man did it anyway. Didn't have a heart for the people. God has placed our churches in our cities to seek the welfare of that city. Amen. Our churches are open because we care about the people in our cities. It's not just to have church. It's not not to take offerings. It's not a money thing. In the middle of a pandemic, we're having the best year financially we've had in 22 years of ministry. The best year. 2020 is the best financial year we've ever had. We're seeking the welfare of the city. Am I helping you? People have to know that we care And we have the answer. Look at verse 17 of chapter 2. Then 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 said I unto them, You see the distress that we're in. If you look around, can you see the distress? And Jerusalem lies waste. And the gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build up the wall of Jerusalem. That we be no more reproach. And I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me, as also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, notice, they said, 
Nehemiah didn't say. They said, let us arise and build so they strengthen their hands for that good work. Amen. Do you see this? After seeing the devastation of the city, Nehemiah went to the leaders to get their help. And notice what he told him. The hand of my God is good upon me. The hand of God is good upon me. Hallelujah. And so what's the response there? The leaders, the people say we're going to strengthen our hands and we're going to rise and we're going to build and we're going to do what God wants us to do. Glory to God. How are we going to get that building in that land? You're going to rise up. You're going to strengthen your hands. You're going to do the work of God. You're going to sow. You're going to give. You're going to work. You're going to volunteer. You're going to preach. You're going to pray. You're going to help. And we're going to get done everything God told us to do. Glory to God. Amen. Why? The hand of God is good upon us. The hand of God. Tell your neighbor, the hand of God is good upon me. Tell them, say, it's good upon me. Amen. So it makes me want to rise and build something and, and change something. Amen. Mm. The Amplified Bible says, I told them that the hand of my God was good upon me for good. Amen. Hallelujah. Sometimes it sounds like this. You know, the Lord told me. My hand, His hand's on me for good. This is what God's going to do. We're going to tell people that the hand of God is upon us and them for good. We'll put it out there on every available voice. God is doing good and has good plans for them right now. We're going to put it on TV. We're going to put it on podcast. We're going to put it on Roku. We're going to put it on YouTube. We're going to put it in Spanish. We're going to put it in English. We're going to put it in CDs. We're going to put it on MP3s. We're going to play it everywhere we go. The hand of God is good on us. Amen. Glory be to God. Amen. Look at chapter 2 verse 19. But when Sambalat the Horonite, Tobiah the servant the Ammonite, Gershom the Arabian heard, they laughed us to scorn and despised us and said, What is this thing you do? Will you rebel against the king? Then answered I them and said, The God of heaven, <laughs> he will prosper us. Therefore, we his servants will arise and build. But you have no portion or right or memorial in Jerusalem. So some people will hear what we're saying, mock it, and hold what we're saying in disesteem. What do you mean things are getting better? What do you mean I can rebuild the walls of my life? Right? Hmm. But guess what? The God of heaven, He'll prosper us. That word means to make us to advance. God will make us to advance or make us to have progress because God will prosper us. We, everybody say we, we will arise and build. Not me, we. Not me, we. Us. Everybody in here. Everybody has a part. 
Everybody has something to do. It doesn't matter if you feel like you're anointed or not. It doesn't matter if you're called to preach or teach or not. It doesn't matter. If you're a born-again believer, if this is your home church, if this is where God put you, you got something to do, and we will arise and build. We will arise and build. Amen. Well, I don't know what I can do. I can't do much. Well, you can do something. Amen. If it isn't nothing but sweep up the floor, you can do something. Why? Because we got building to do. The hand of our God is good upon us. The God of heaven will prosper us, and we're going to get it done. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm. Glory. When we begin to tell people that God wants to rebuild the walls of their lives, we create a God consciousness in their life. The church should create a God consciousness in their city. In my neighborhood, there should be a God consciousness about what is going on, about what's happening. Amen. It begins to affect the city. It begins. I, I'm, I'm reminded uh, years ago this happened, but it's still going on in Seoul, South Korea, at Yoido uh, Full Gospel Church. Uh, Dr. Paul Yongi Cho, and he started that church, and, and still is, to the best of my knowledge. At one time, it was the largest church in the world, uh, running 750,000 people on a Sunday. I mean, had had over a million members. I mean, they would have 300,000 people at all night prayer meetings. But they, they started influencing the city and producing a God consciousness in the city. And, and, and they bought a, a newspaper and was publishing the news and publishing the good news. And they begin to influence politics and influence all these things. It's, it's when you begin to have a God consciousness in your city. When, and when does that begin to happen? When we begin to tell people God wants to rebuild their lives. Amen. You want your lives rebuilt? Come to this church. We'll help you do it. Right? Amen. I got a sign order for the church in in Little Rock. We'll probably do it here as far as I know. But getting a big sign printed up that says, you need to rebuild your life? We can help. Creating a God consciousness in the city. Jesus is Lord over Little Rock. Jesus is Lord over DeSoto. Jesus is Lord over Lawrence. Creating a God consciousness in the city. Not not just another church on the corner. Not just another church sitting there that has a sign, all are welcome. But creating a God consciousness in the city. Folks, every church can have different things that, that appeal to different people. But here's the thing. If the goods are not there when people come to church, if the power of God is not there to change lives, if the glory of God is not there to manifest in people's lives and turn it around, then, then people will eventually understand that, that that's a good place to go and be entertained, but it's not a place that I can change. When a church is changing lives by the power of God, it creates a God consciousness in that city. Amen? Amen? When we begin to reach out to people, they'll listen. This is a perfect opportunity for the church. Why? The world's drawing in. We got to be drawing out. We got to be reaching out. The world's drawing in. We got to be reaching out. 
Amen. The church is the barometer. The church is the thermometer. The church is the is is the the church in the society that we're in right now. The church is what's going to make the difference. The church cannot start thinking like the world. Cannot. Amen. We were essential before they knew what essential was. Amen. Am I helping you? We are the hands and feet of Jesus. We have the answer. Right? Look at Mark 1. Creating a God consciousness in the city. I was talking to Pastor Michelle today. She was talking to me about all the newcomers, all the new families showing up. It's a wonderful thing. But folks, I want you to know, it's, it's happening. It, people are showing up because we refuse to, be, to draw inward. We keep reaching outward. You just keep reaching outward. And people will show up where people feel like they're wanted to be. If you, they feel like you want them to be there, they'll show up. Amen. Because, hear me, somebody in this season or in every other season of their life, they're going to come up against something that they cannot conquer on their own. And they're going to want help. Somebody is going to wake up in the morning and have a problem that they don't have an answer for. Somebody is going to wake up next week and have issues that they don't know what to do about. And that same person is going to get in their car and drive to their job, the same job that you work at, the same company you work for. And they're going to have hopelessness all over them. They're going to have no hope. They're going to be without a remedy and without a solution. And they're going to talk to you and you're going to give them hope because the hand of your God is good upon you and you will create a God consciousness in their lives. Glory to God. I told, I told you the story and it's a wonderful story. I got, I got on the plane to go to my, my father's memorial service and, and, and I'm sitting there in, at, at the Little Rock Airport and uh, you know, I'm comfortable and, and, uh, and I see this guy come walking down the aisle and he's weaving. Just like this. And he staggers up to me. And he sits down and he goes, and he looked at me. The only time that I am glad, happy about masks. The only time. (laughs) This was the only time. I have no use for him any other time. But anyway, the point is, he, he looked at me and he goes, well, you're the lucky guy that gets to sit by an alcoholic. And I thought, no. You're the blessed guy that gets to sit by a preacher. Because here's immediately what I thought. Dear little hope. Dear little hope. I am an OG hope dealer. You know what that means? Original gangster. I am old school hope dealer. Right? And so, man, I I waited and he started talking and I'm fishing. You know, what's your name? What's going on? How's this going? And he's sitting there. He's in pain. He's in withdrawals. He's, he's, He's an opiate addict. He's addicted to opiates. Trying to come off of him. He's losing his family. His wife basically has given him a last opportunity to go to rehab and get clean. And so, to try to fight the pain of that withdrawal, he's drank all morning. Right? And he's sitting there and he's using four-letter words. 
then he'd look at me and go, sorry. No problem, man. He goes, I probably stink. I said, dude, I got a mask on. I can't smell nothing. It's all good. Right? Breathe all you want. <laughs> Amen. Glory to God. So I started talking to him. Visiting with him. You know, hey, what's your name? Got to deal a little hope. Told him, I said, you know what? Over 20 years ago, my wife came to Jesus. Addicted to everything you can be addicted to. One encounter with Jesus. Totally changed her life. Got rid of all that she had and never went back to it. Never went back to it. Not a withdrawal. Not a, not a, not a pain. Nothing. Went away from it. After, after eight, ten years of severe drug addiction. And I had him. Now he's got hope. Right? The hand of my God is good upon me. Now see, the enemy wants us hiding behind our PPE and not touch anybody and not reach out to anybody. Because after all, yeah, after all, they might be a sinner. They might have no hope. They might need the answer that you have. Right? Amen. So he kept, he kept talking to me. And I said, you know, he said, well, you know, I, I, I gave my life to, to God when I was a, a kid, you know, a long time ago. And I said, man, you just need to renew the commitment. You need to renew the commitment because he's still there. He still wants to help you. I didn't know. But the lady across the aisle is a Christian. Her and her husband are Christian. Very nice people. We've been talking. And she is steady writing, steady writing, steady writing, steady writing. And man, we're, we're flying. And he's talking. And he's telling me all the problems that he has. And he's telling me all the issues that he has. And you know, he's getting loud. And people are turning around. And, and, and right? <laughs> so it came time. We're about, we're, we're getting ready to land, starting our descent. You know, the pilot came on, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to start our descent in the shore. So we're starting our descent. And the lady reaches over and she's got this paper and she says, she says, here, I, 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 I wanted to give you this. It's all these scriptures about how God can help him. Amen. And, and then she looks at me and looks at him and says, can we pray for you? Oh my goodness. And so right there, right there, social distancing went out the window. Amen. He leans over. He grabs her hand. I grab his hand. She grabs her husband's hand. Before you know it, we're all head to head. God help him. God deliver him. God save him. Holy Spirit move in his life. Amen. On American Airlines. The hand of my God was good upon me. Amen. Amen. And, and we kept flying for a little while and we prayed. and Boy, he was crying and, and repenting. And, and amen. And we're flying along and he's just sitting there. And all of a sudden he looks at me and his eyes are so big. And he says, do you notice I'm not shaking? I'm not hurting anymore. Look, my, my knees aren't shaking. I said, man, that's God. God. God's moving in your life. Amen. The hand of our God is good upon us. 
Am I helping you? Mark 1, verse 40. Now, 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 I know I don't need to do this, but I'm, going to, I'm not telling you to be foolish. I'm not telling you to take chances. But I'm telling you something. That the enemy, the Lord said something through a person that, that I have trust in. Because number one, they're not wordy. They're not mouthy. They don't talk a lot. And they don't run around saying God said a lot. And when they say something that God said, it's believable because they're not wearing that phrase out. And they said they were watching Pastor Caldwell and that God began to talk to them in what he was saying when he was at the church in Little Rock and that the Lord had spoke to them and said something about unity. Pastor Michelle had been preaching on unity. You know, she preached for weeks on unity, months, I think, on unity. And this person said this. They said, I thought that was a good message for right here and now. But I, I never really prayed it out. As I begin to pray it out, she said, the Lord said to me that what the enemy is attacking is unity and he's disguising it as social distancing. And he's attacking the unity of the church. Amen. I'm not telling you to go up and get all up in people's space. But what I'm saying is is listen, this is the safest place you could be. The glory of the Lord in this place will burn any germ, disease, and virus out of the atmosphere. But here's my point. The enemy's subtle, that, and he's trying to make people afraid of people. He's trying to make you afraid of your neighbor. He's trying to make you afraid of the person across the street. When, when uh, I bought my car not too long ago, I had, to, I had to replace it. So I replaced my Lincoln, so I bought another car. And I was talking to the salesman, and he was telling me his grandson, his own grandson, he had not been able to see him for two months because his daughter wouldn't bring him over. Now, I'm not telling you what to do. I'm just I'm explaining what the enemy's trying to do. He's trying to keep the church from being the hands and feet of Jesus. Right? We talk about people like John Lake and how he put that bloody froth in his hand and said, every disease, German virus dies. But where was he? He was helping people that were dying of the plague. He was the hands and feet of Jesus there, praying for them, helping them. Showing compassion on them. And when somebody said, how is it that you're not affected by this? It opened the door for him to say, it's the law of the spirit of life that is in Christ Jesus. He wasn't being foolish. He was being the hands and the feet of Jesus. Dealing hope. When you look, when you look back on other things that have hit the world, primarily the plague. You know, great men of God were alive during that time. Martin Luther, John Calvin, other men. Now, you may not agree with all of their theology. Luther got sick twice with the plague because he refused to leave his church. He refused to leave his people. And God recovered him two times. One man was getting packing his stuff up. Because he's going to the country. He's a preacher. 
pastor. He's packing his stuff up. He's going to the country. Why? Because he need to get out of this. this. If, if you think this pandemic is something, you should have been around when there was no help. And so he's packing up to get out of the country. And his servant's helping him pack. And his servant looked at him and said, uh, Pastor, is the God that you serve only God? And is he only powerful in the country? Or is he powerful in the city? And he said, I had to think about that. And I looked at him and I said, he's powerful in the city. And he said, then he can keep you in the city. And he said, I unpacked my bag and stayed in the city. Now, again, I'm not talking about being foolish. But, folks, when we adopt the mindset of the world, and we adopt the mindset of the world, I can't talk to anybody. I can't get close to anybody. I can't touch anybody. I'm going to read you something in just a minute. Jesus touched people all the time with communicable diseases. Jesus touched people that were considered unclean. Jesus touched people with runny sores. Jesus touched people that were lepers. Jesus touched people that had all kinds of diseases, and he had no problem reaching out and touching them because what he had in him was greater than the disease he was dealing with. And what the enemy wants is to put people at odds with one another and fear one another. I'm just going to tell you something. I'm not afraid of anybody. Amen. If anybody jumps out of the way, it's going to be somebody else. It's not going to be me. Because we got a job to do. And I'm not making light of what's going on in the world. That's not what I'm doing. But what I'm trying to say is the enemy's doing everything he can do to bring this wedge and to bring this division and to bring this separation so that the church is ineffective. Mark 1, did you ever get there? <laughs> Verse 40, And there came a leper to him beseeching him and kneeling down to him and saying, if you will, you can make me clean. And Jesus moved with compassion, put forth his hand and touched him and said, be clean. I will be clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him and he was cleansed. He reached out and touched him. In order to help people rebuild their lives, we've got to touch them. We've got to touch them. We've got to be available. Right? If we will do what God tells us, the way God tells us, and love people and trust God to do the rest, look out devil and look out world. If we'll do what God tells us and love people, do it the way God tells us. See, God is giving us an opportunity to reach our cities. I'm not against anybody. I'm not against what anybody does. But I was shocked to understand some time ago that we are the only church in our city that's been having church. I mean, gathering people together. Does that mean they're wrong? I'm, I'm, that's not what I'm saying. But we're, we're the gospel presenters 
Right? We got to be open. We got to be doing what God tells us to do. We are faith builders. Say that out loud. We are faith builders. We have a supernatural, unconditional love for the people in our cities. So let's rebuild the walls. Let's rebuild the walls. People are looking. People are looking. I said, people are looking. People are looking. People are not as afraid as the world wants you to believe they are. Because here's the thing. Listen to me and listen to my heart as I say this. And I'm not just talking about addiction and alcoholism and things of this nature. But I want you to understand something. There are people that were addicted before this pandemic hit and they're just as addicted now as they were then. And their lives are now even more topsy-turvy than they've ever been. There's even more of a mess in their life than they had in the beginning. At least in the beginning, they didn't have other things to worry about. Now they got to worry about other things and still feed their addiction. There are people that had no hope before this thing started, and now they have double no hope. The Bible says we serve the God of all hope. The God of all hope. If you're going to have any hope, you got to know our God. Oh, glory be to Jesus. I believe God. I believe God. Let's rebuild the walls. So how are we going to do that? We are going to arise and build. We are going to arise and build. I said we are going to arise and build. We are going to arise and build. We're going to find that land and build that building on it. We're going to get that turnkey building in Little Rock, Arkansas. Just have the key, turn the key, and walk in and have church. We're going to have it. Amen. I say we're going to have it. Now go ahead and close your eyes. Close your eyes. Look around. Look around the building. Look how big it is. Look how big it is. Look at all the people worshiping God. Look at them with their hands raised. Smell the new carpet. Look at the new chairs. Hallelujah. See it. See it. See it. See it. See it. See it. It's there. It's there. It's there. Hallelujah. See it. See your building furnished. See your building finished. See your department greater than it's ever been. See it fully staffed three deep. Hallelujah. Big space. See the people lining up outside. See them lining up hours before church because they just got to get in there. Hallelujah. Now see yourself laying hands on the sick. See yourself ministering to people. See yourself hugging somebody that went through what you went through and you're helping them get free. No hope without God in the world. But here they met you, and now they got hope. Hallelujah. Open your eyes now. Let's rebuild the walls. Let's rebuild the walls. Amen. Amen. There may be people in the world that have no hope. We got a lot of hope. We got a lot of hope. 
Amen? I said, we got a lot of hope. And we're just going to keep reaching them and teaching them and training them and growing them up. Amen? Don't you believe that? Hey, let's stand up, everybody. Praise the Lord. Good to see everyone tonight. You're an amazing church. Strong church. Hallelujah. Glory be to God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. So, Lord, we thank you tonight. We just praise you tonight for all you've said to us. We thank you, Lord, that you gave us some insight into 2021. And you said it would be a year of light and magnificent victory. So, Father, we receive it. We may not see it all or understand it all, but we receive that. And because we can receive that, we can move into it. So, Father, keep your people, keep your sheep, the week coming up. Lord, I pray that they would enjoy the love of the Father, the fellowship of the Son, and the communion of the blessed Holy Spirit. And I declare that they're blessed going in and blessed coming out. I declare that they're blessed in everything that they do, everything that their hands touch is blessed. I declare, Father, that no evil will befall them and no plague will come near their dwelling. I declare, Father, that you have taken sickness and disease from their midst and you've blessed their bread and their water and that no deadly thing will not only touch them, but it will not kill them. And, Father, we thank you that every disease, germ, and virus dies instantly when it touches their body because the spirit life of 1 Peter 2.24 is coursing through their bloodstream and pushing anything that's unlike you out of their bodies. I declare in the name of Jesus they are more healthy, more fit. They are, they are in better shape. Father, their minds are sharp. Their bodies are, are healthy. Amen. Their immune system is strong. And their natural state is health. And Lord, we thank you for it. And praise you for it. In the name of Jesus. Amen.